0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Bluewire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire.
1: Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always my co-host, Nick Alato, as we inch our way closer to the start of training camp July 27th. Today was a feeding frenzy among Giants fans on Twitter as they, you know, tried to get tickets to this, I guess this fan fest they're calling it. It's a free event where they're going to have a live scrimmage or a live practice, I believe, padded practice, autographs from... It's basically a training camp day of practice, it seems like, that they're like... But apparently the tickets were booked up or something was going on where people didn't get tickets i didn't get tickets nick i just assumed i'm gonna have to work that day i'm sure you will too but maybe i'll go maybe later on we'll decide on that but as we inch closer we want to continue our positional overview series where we break down the roster on a position by position basis so today we are going to be doing the defensive line those front guys not the edge guys just the defensive line will hit edge separately before we do that nick how has your week been It's been great, Dan. I went up to Boston, visited a good buddy of mine
2: who lives up in a place called Woburn who looks like Woburn, so when we went up there, pronounced it all wrong, we looked like idiots among all the locals, (laughs) but it was a good time to get together with one of my main groups of friends and enjoy the city of Boston, a city that I despise from a sports standpoint.
1: (laughs) You should have pronounced it Woburn. Woburn. And then then you could have really stood out with the locals and they really really liked you. I actually saw a funny video, I guess it was a viral video. Because it's funny, we went to Boston back-to-back weekends. We both drove, and obviously we weren't together. You drove with you and your girlfriend, and on the way back, you didn't stop for New Haven Pizza, even after I forced you to try a bite. So clearly it didn't make much of an impression on you, but what would your review be of Frank Pepe's, pizza
2: okay so i did have two bites like <laughs> i said and it was excellent it really was and dan dan told me how to heat or preheat the oven get it going perfectly to to maximize the taste yeah and i i have to say it was quite fantastic Dan. nice and and you were very very great with your description on what it was going to be like
1: to be honest you oh, thank know thank you uh, what was it how, how do they make it at? coal-fired pizza coal-fired, so it's got that yes. crunch in the char there is a char there is a crunch and that sauce man the sauce was good so that was excellent but anyway the viral video was some girl from Scotland who was walking around Boston with a Yankee hat completely unknowingly that she had the Yankee hat like just like oh that she bought it for fashion and just getting absolutely destroyed by all the people there for walking around with a Yankee hat she said that the Uber driver who picked her, picked her up said if i had known you were going to wear that hat i wouldn't have picked i wouldn't have accepted this ride so that was excellent boston's a fun place i had a pretty chill weekend uh, with the exception of Finally got back on the basketball courts for the first time in God knows how long. It must have been a year, year and a half since I picked up a basketball. And I was challenged by a friend of mine, Jay. Shout out, Jay. And they call him The Kid, where we uh, hang out. We, We were both members of a social club, a poker club. And The Kid challenged me and another member of the club and he took on another member of the club as a teammates in a two-on-two game. And here's how it went. I hadn't picked up a basketball in forever, but somehow, someway, Nick, my jumper was on. I made four of our five baskets. His team made five baskets. But unfortunately, the game ended in a 5-5 tie as all four parties in the game agreed that If we went on any longer, someone was going to die out there. I was on the verge of of dizziness and passing out. Jay Uh, was on the verge of throwing up. It was 91 degrees in the thick of the heat, 12 o'clock on a Friday. Yeah, on a Friday it was, and we needed four timeouts just to get through 10 baskets for full timeouts where you just have to keel over on that side. So it was interesting. But then I played tennis the next day and basketball the day after that. So it was a fun weekend for me. I love actually doing activities where I exercise that feeling when you're done and you like when you stop for a second or slow down or take a break and you the sweat builds up and it starts to pour out and you like have that awesome feeling. I know you probably get that since you're a runner, but I just hate running. I need a, I need a competition to enjoy it. I need yeah. to be able to win something. I've always been like that. I need a game, a a goal, running and play, or, you know, running. Like, I know you're like, oh, yeah, you want to beat your time or you want to, like, be able to best you. I'm like, nah, it's just not for me. It's just pure pain running. So it was good to get back out there.
2: Yeah, I understand the, uh, like, I love basketball (laughs) as well. I think we should ball sometimes. That'd be Mm. a a lot of fun, especially if we're both really, really competitive. But I played, I was in an adult hockey league for a while. So, like, I understand that feeling of just, like, you know, pure competition and how you get that excellent workout out of it but you don't even realize you're working out because your whole mind's on the game and the strategy of what's going on
1: that's it that's it so it's it was awesome it was good from that standpoint nothing too crazy besides that this weekend so let's dive into some new york giants football so as we've started the last few positional breakdowns let's start by saying on a scale of one to ten and remember we're just doing the interior defensive line players like Lorenzo Carter, Zizo jelari the second level defenders that are oftentimes not considered second level defenders with their hand in the jerk, but sometimes they are in this defense specifically. They won't be included. So just the interior group on a scale of one to ten. How would you rate this group among the rest of the NFL? I would
2: say nine, maybe. I think I'm going to go with a mm. nine here because, and I know that that's rich and they, and you, Look, there's only one Aaron Donald in this league, right? But I think you you can make a a solid case that Leonard Williams is a top five. I know there were lists that recently came out and wrote about it on Big Blue View, how he came out seven. I don't think that's necessarily unfair, but I think there are arguments that suggest that he could be a top five interior defensive lineman, especially when you include the upside Leonard Williams brings to a football field in terms of creating interior pressure and in terms of versatility. So you have that kind of star, and then you have a high upside two in Dexter Lawrence, which is with a solid third, another interior rusher in B.J. Hill, solid rotational players with Austin Johnson as well. And then you have Danny Shelton, the guy who's going to fill in for the departure of Dalvin Tomlinson. He's nowhere near the player of Dalvin Tomlinson, but he can two-gap. He can anchor down and just eat those interior gaps to spill the runs outside. So I'm honestly going to go with a a nine i could i could definitely be swayed into an eight as well
1: yeah i'm gonna go with a nine as well i think last year they were probably a nine five maybe even a 10 with dalvin in the mix i think the list that had uh, leonard williams ranked seventh is garbage because i think he's easy top five right now easily i mean he had what the second most pressures among all interior guys last year i believe he had 62
2: if i'm not mistaken yes was
1: 60 either 62 or 64 and In addition to that, it's what you said. It's the versatility. They line him up in a lot of different spots and he can play different roles within the defense. Like you said, he can do excellent things for you in the run game and they use him in specific ways to stop the run without having to commit as many resources as in defenders to the run but he also can help you out a lot as a pass rusher yes some of his sacks were cleanup sacks i get it but he fights and he continues and he's so like loose flexible and long for an interior defensive lineman that's the best way i would describe him like loose and flexible for somebody of his size and just long and his length helps him In those pass rushing situations, it's why you see him get a lot of sacks. It's why you see him get a lot of pressure. So to me, he's easy top five. I think the case can be made. He's the second, especially given his age and how well he fit Patrick Graham's defense, that he could be the second best interior defensive line in the NFL right now.
2: Which is saying a lot, too, because you have guys like Chris Jones, and, and right. there are a lot of... I know like Cam Hayward was on that list, and Cam Hayward's getting a little bit longer in the tooth, and he's surrounded by guys like Stefan Tuitt, who should right. also be considered on that list, and TJ Watt. But regardless, those lists, they're, they could be just you know for clickbait anyways and, and things like that. Not saying that Big Blue Views was, but we were writing about a list, I think, that ESPN made. Yes. So when you really consider it just kind of... L- don't look at the rest of the NFL, even though I think this was on a scale of 1 to 10. Look at the depth of what the Giants had, though. I mean, B.J. Hill is your third right now. And then you have the Austin Johnson, Danny Shelton. And they can all do their specific thing. They're not just big space eaters. I mean, Dexter Lawrence is a guy who's built like a big space eater, but he plays like a penetrating three technique. I mean, that is incredibly right. valuable to have. And you can see how Patrick Graham utilized all these guys throughout the season. I mean, according to neildown.com which is a pretty dope uh, <laughs> statistical site that compiles everything i think they use pfs pffs tracking data from last year they have a bunch of different formations and personnel groups of all the defenses in the nfl and the Giants, the group that they ran the most, the personnel set that they ran the most was a three-three five. And when they did that, a lot of the times, they would drop eight in a coverage and rush three. Having a pair like Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence to be that three man rush and maybe run a stunt twist game off of those three with one additional rusher. I mean, that's a way you can generate pressure with only three guys and it just forces the offense to really, really pick their spots throwing the football because there's gonna be eight guys dropping into coverage. And that's something that you don't see you haven't seen a lot i guess in the past like 10 years you see it a little bit more in college and a lot of teams especially in like the big 12 are doing that because they love to spread it out and air it out but now you start to see it more in the nfl guys dropping eight men in the coverage so i think just having those interior guys to can create the pressure is really 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 important for patrick
1: graham and Leonard williams like you said before is one of the best at doing it yeah i think you nailed it i think his the the depth that they've built on this defensive line this interior defensive line and like you said i mean this might have been the peak for Leonard Williams last season, though I do think he can continue to keep it up when you add a guy like Aziz Ojulari next to him. But I don't think we've seen the peak for BJ Hill yet. I'm on the I'm one of the biggest BJ Hill supporters. You're fine. I mean, I believe that the tape says the whole story when you watch the All 22 of the Giants not just last season the season before the guy doesn't get that many snaps but he does so much damage in such a few limited snap count from pass rushing standpoint like yeah he has some snaps where he's not used as a pass rusher and he does an okay job there he's not the best run defender he won't be the best run defender on this defense at any point but and maybe he doesn't win always one one one-on-one as a run defender but he wins a lot one-on-one as a pass rusher a lot he beats those guards fast and he makes him look silly a lot of times. You see a lot of reps on the film where he literally makes a guard look silly, kind of the way that some defensive linemen made Shane Lemieux look a little silly last season, (laughs) if we're going to be honest. And so I think the ceiling is is high for him. I think this could be the breakout year. I think this is finally when he's going to get more opportunities because Danny Shelton is not going to play as many snaps as as Dalvin Tomlinson. He's going to play a similar role at times, but he's not going to play as many snaps. And I think Graham will even get creative and use Dexter Lawrence sometimes at least in the role he used Alvin Tomlinson in in specific down situations so love that love Hill for this year and then Dexter Lawrence is another guy who I think can easily become a better player this season with the additions around him on the edge and with him playing again maybe a little bit of a different role kind of coming into more of his own in just being the second year in the system and longer longer tooth in the NFL so there's still some upside in addition to depth with this group
2: Dexter Lawrence played nose, I want to say, in that Baltimore game quite a bit. And it wasn't as great as we would have liked him to see. wasn't as good at anchoring down. But I think it's something he can do. But we've talked about it plenty of times on this podcast. Giants love running those tight fronts on early rushing downs. And the tight front consisted of the 4-I, which was Dexter Lawrence. That's where they like him. It's hard to get those double teams. Everything's Mm -hmm. tight. Everything's condensed. And the objective for the defense is to spill everybody outside to the contain force defenders and the secondary force defenders so you have Dexter Lawrence as a four eye to the strength you had Dalvin Tomlinson as a nose that's going to be Danny Shelton I feel like in a lot of the uh, situations and Leonard Williams on the backside as a backside pursuit defender to the weak side three technique you know Good luck blocking those three. And then you have the two edges. Everything's gonna get spilled outside to those edges and then the nickel and the overhang defenders coming down. And that's why it's so important for guys like Aaron Robinson, Darnay Holmes, and those overhang defenders sometimes, or a lot of the times it's the safeties, Jabril Peppers, that they're really good at tackling as well because everything's gonna get spilled out there. How many runs did we see opponents run up the a and b gap on the on the giants not a lot and the only time it was the b gap was when it was spread horizontal stretch type of runs and the b gaps moving yeah yeah and the B gaps moving significantly that's because these guys are big boys man and it's really really hard to block them when you have a guy like dexter lawrence who's that quick it's it's very very difficult and you talked about bj hill i'm sure we're going to get into him I think he's just scratching the surface as well he played i think the 13th most snaps according to pro football focus in the defense last year at 375 i mean ryan lewis who played him five games he played in 271 snaps and he was the 14th player bj hill was just in a bit role last year i think that role can be expanded upon i think he had 22 pressures i'm gonna pull it up right now he had 22 22 pressures only one sack but if we remember back to his rookie season in 2018 he was able to get six sacks 27 pressures and 642 snaps I I feel like it's well within his abilities to to make an impact along with Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams and the strength of the Giants team for the last couple years has been this defensive line group I don't think that strength is going away even though everything else around the Giants has improved which is just a great problem
1: to have yeah i think you nailed it this is still the strength of the defense it can be argued secondary might overtake good it argument it too good and argument. there's a potential argument for it and then if you're arguing like the strength of the entire roster it may just be secondary or interior defensive line like because i don't know what else will compete receiver gives it a run but not really offensive line of course not quarterback of course not running back i suppose but i mean it's a running back yeah. it's a running back um and also he's coming off a major injury anyway so Yeah, it's the strength of this team. And it brings me to, before we move on to some individual thoughts on the players that are going to make up this interior group, it brings me just a question about kind of where the Giants have gone in their tenure under Gettleman. Because when he got here, he said, I looked at that Eagles roster that won the Super Bowl. They had a really heavy interior defensive line rotation. I wanted to mimic that. I wanted to repeat something like that. And for years, he put a lot of resources into this and at times we've given him a hard time. I know I have because in my mind, interior defensive line is a very easy position to find from a roster building standpoint. I think it's probably the deepest position in the NFL without a doubt from a talent standpoint. I also think you find a lot of these guys in day th- uh, on day three, where you can get great players like Grady Jarrett, for example, and there's plenty of them. He might have been a third round pick, but I think he might have been a fourth. um And then you even just like this offseason, a great example with Danny Shelton and, you know, Mario Edwards, those type of guys that have just found ways to make impact in limited roles. And as long as you have a rotation, I think you can find guys. But at the same time, investing all these massive resources into this group does help them because, in the end, ultimately, he is right. In football, it is still a lot about winning up front in the trenches with the offensive line and winning up front with the trenches and the defensive line and then having a good quarterback. That's really, in a lot of ways, what football's still about. There is now some debate as to whether you want pressure off the edge versus coverage. And I personally am siding with the coverage over pressure off the edge because I think when you are stout up front on the interior, you're getting interior pressure and you can run stunts and loops and things with a variety of pass rushers and add extra pass rushers because you can uh, you know, trust your man coverage on the back end then you don't really need as much of like the one-on-one Von Miller types that can just blow right by you. But it still is a game that is one interior on both the offensive line and the defense line. You have to be stout up there. There are different ways to do it, but this way has guaranteed that the Giants have one of the best interior defensive fronts in the NFL, and that's going to give them a really good chance for a lot of the reasons you just said, Nick, that are worth repeating. One, it allows them to commit less resources to stop the run. Yeah, the Giants weren't the best run defense in the NFL, but you know how the Giants, you said it best, they played 3-3-5 a lot of the time and still manage a top 12, top 15-ish range, probably closer to top 12, top 10-ish range run defense when you really think about it and yet without even committing to the run too much from a defensive standpoint, from a schematic standpoint. So I do think overall, maybe i gotta walk it back a little when it comes to get on investing all these heavy resources yeah at times like i i remember back in 2018 i was like i really wanted fred warner i thought he was a perfect fit for the giants and they took bj hill out of him and like you said hill played almost 700 snaps his first year has played like 375 and 400 in the past two years because they've drafted over him so ultimately has been a glutton of riches but it did allow them this offseason to let tomlinson walk from a cap standpoint to instead use that cap money for Galladay, for all these other pieces they need to help fix the offense, and yet still have guys like BJ Hill behind you, so you don't and sign Danny Shelton, so you don't have too much of a drop-off and you still can maintain potentially a top five unit. And it also helps that the
2: Giants' secondary pieces and their linebackers are significantly upgraded from what they had in the mm-hmm. past. Like the secondary, filling the B-gap is usually a huge responsibility of the safety and his run fit. And Jabril Peppers is, is excellent at it, as was Landon Collins. And I feel like every time you bring up Jabril Peppers and like what he's – how he's good against the run people are like well he's not learning college it's like well no one's talking about land Collins right now we're talking about Jabril Peppers let's let right. that one slide right now And <laughs> Xavier McKinney has the potential to do that as well Julian Love I feel like he was solid at it too but just to because just we brought up these defensive personnel um fronts and everything and it was such a main focus when Patrick Graham got the job. Three three five was, according to neildown.com, the most common front. And they ran it. The Giants ran it more than the average of the NFL of all the other NFL teams. And then they diversified. If you look at this chart, they, they used a solid amount of a lot of other fronts. The next most the next most utilized would be the 245 which we saw a lot we saw that a lot on second and long situations the 236 right. was a little bit less than that and then the 344 four. so the three four, which we did see a lot in base personnel as well but the Giants wanted to I guess not use a linebacker and substitute that for safeties which we talked about a lot we saw a lot of Logan Ryan and a lot of Jabril Peppers down in the box and that's why the 335 is a little bit more prevalent than the three
1: four. yeah it's excellent. And even with all those variations, I mean, you're looking at a defense that, again, is not committing four guys up front to stop the run and then four and three guys behind him. In a lot of ways they de- they challenged teams to, to run on them and still found a way to get it, the job done as a run defense. And that, to me, is exciting because if you want... I always talk about offenses, maximizing offenses by spacing and using a lot of play action and throwing the ball a lot, things of that nature, spreading the formation, staggering receivers, using you know lighter personnel groups versus the heavy ones. On the flip side, on the defensive side of the ball... I think your best path, your clearest path, the optimal plus, the biggest way to get plus, 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 plus EV, expected value out of your defense, is daring teams to run the ball. If you have the personnel that's capable of daring teams to run the ball and they still don't kill you in the run game, and really the only teams that killed the Giants in the run game last year were Baltimore, to some extent Cleveland, at times for stretches Dallas, I guess, in in, in the first matchup specifically, but... Ultimately, no one really crushed the Giants in the run game besides Baltimore, and so Baltimore was besides the Baltimore, they, I mean they just destroyed them, and that's because you have to count for Lamar Jackson on every And play. David Mayo was also the starting edge, in that and game. that's because exactly <laughs> David Mayo was on the field for too many snaps. So that there's factors involved in that, and even if you want to look at Cleveland, who did okay in the run game against the Giants, not even that great, but okay. Nick Chubb got shut down. Yeah, Chubb got shut down. Kareem
2: Hunt, and then the other, yeah. and then them garbage time. They third
1: the yeah. <laughs> third back. Right. So I mean, like they've found a way to really focus this defense on stopping the pass but still find a way to pass around that's optimal defense in today's nfl that's what you need so it's really exciting obviously we're super excited about the defense overall as far as these individual defensive linemen goes there anything else you want to touch on i mean we just talked a bunch on all these guys um most of these guys but anything else you want to touch on the guys we mentioned before we get into guys like austin johnson kind of those back end interior defensive linemen on the roster i did want to just bring up something else you 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 said Mm -hmm. that
2: Patrick Graham in the defense, they're, they're encouraging the offense to run the football. That's something that's being more common now mm-hmm. in the NFL, which we've seen a lot in college to go back to the Big 12. We see all Iowa State does similar things to that, where they'll put three safeties deep and be like, hey, run on our front. And then right when they go to run, they fill quickly, and then they they basically bait the offense into running the football. Offenses that want to pass, they bait them into running the football, getting maybe two, three-yard gains, and then setting up eventually a third and short, and hopefully they'll come up with something exotic to stop that so that's a trend that we're seeing in the nfl nowadays
1: yeah and then worst case in those scenarios this is why it's so smart to bait them into this worst case like they pick up three or four or five first downs running the ball and then bog down the red zone like we saw the giants do when you don't when you encourage these teams to run it's good for your defense you don't want teams passing passing leads to chunk plays chunk plays leads to points you it, don't want that you just murdered it right there <laughs> I, that
2: i mean honestly I, that's the philosophy of patrick graham that's yep. why we saw like 12 13 play drives with mm-hmm. the defense on the field and the offense is just nickel and diming them, but guess what? Results in three points. Yes.
1: Or sometimes zero. Or sometimes zero because of turnovers with we, like, we yeah, exactly. Turnovers that sacks on unfortunate times that led to punts. Like mm-hmm. we saw it happen a lot. It's exactly what you said. It's a really good style. Now I've seen it go the opposite way. I remember Perry Fuel's defense was somewhat similar, but Perry Fuel just didn't have it. Like as a coordinator he was just he was literally the worst Giants. Or him or Tim Williams were up there for the I worst Giants coordinator. Probably. They had very similar ideas, but Perry Fuel's defense... Oh, Fuel did have the what Super Bowl season. about Bill Sheridan, though? Yeah, I mean, there's actually worse <laughs> than Fuel, because Fuel had the Super Bowl season. But, like, Tim Lewis and Fuel had the similar style of play zone all the time and have your corners 10 yards off the ball. That's not going to work. You don't especially work that. not today. Yeah. Man. Not today, especially. But, Those quick hitters with yeah. some of the
2: quarterbacks that are out exactly. there just so quick to process and get the football out of their hands. I actually have a really interesting stat I wanted yeah, to, to say to you. Okay, so... The four leading pressure getters, if you want to say, of the Giants last year hmm. were all interior defensive linemen. Wow. And that, there's, there's reasons. There's context. Obviously, Lorenzo Carter and O'Shane Zemena is getting injured. is a big too. reason. Fackerel got dinged up for, I think, five games. But that still says something, man. Awful. That le- is crazy. Leonard Williams at 62. Dexter Lawrence at 29. Dalvin Tomlinson at 28. And then B.J. Hill at 22. With Fackrell at 19. And get this. Marcus Golden. (laughs) Through seven games. (laughs) Through seven games with the Giants.
1: Yeah, Golden actually went on to have a really good season with the Cardinals. I still don't think it was a terrible move, I guess, because... I think it was fine. It was fine. I mean, in my mind, the Giants weren't going anywhere last year. I know there's some... Seems to me like some bad memories that people have of what the Giants were last year. I don't really understand why, but they weren't really bound for any kind of Super Bowl run last year (laughs) at any point. So I'm fine getting the draft pick out of that because he wasn't going to be part of the roster this year anyway, not with Ojolari and em- Ellerson Smith added to the mix. So, And he just didn't fit exactly what, right. what Patrick Graham it was, wanted it was a to system, do. It was a system issue. So it is interesting that, though, their top four pressure getters last year, all interior defensive linemen. That says a lot about where they were <laughs> last year from an edge group standpoint. We're hoping that will be a little different this year with Carter back in the mix, with Ellerson Smith, like we mentioned, and Aziz Ojalari. Players we'll get to later. Anyone else, Anything else individually speaking on these players you want to get to before we touch on guys like Austin Johnson, Danny Shelton, other back-end interior guys? Any, any, anything you want to add for the big guys, the big three? The big three,
2: not necessarily. I would just say that I think Dexter Lawrence could be prime for a huge season. And I've said that several times on this podcast, but since mm. this is specific to the defensive line, I wanted to reiterate that. I mean, I, I think his capabilities with his size, with his strength, with his athletic ability, what he can do with his hips – I mean, he can do similar things with his hips that BJ Hill can, and he outweighs him by about 35 pounds. <laughs> I think Dexter Lawrence could. I mean, and I always wonder for an interior defensive lineman because you've spoken about this a lot. Like it's a it's a high floor position, but the ceiling is it's not super high. Like they don't flash all that often. There's not many guys out there like Aaron Donald who are just absolutely taking over a game. A lot of the right. stuff doesn't really show up on the stat sheet. I'm wondering what Dexter Lawrence has to do to kind of get the national notoriety that he may deserve if he puts himself in in that position which he hasn't yet going into his third year even though he has shown a lot of potential
1: yeah he has shown potential he still has a big step to go i mean if you just look at it from last year he played what 150 ish snaps less fewer than leonard williams but didn't even have half the pressures that leonard had so obviously from that standpoint we're still looking for that a little bit more hits a little bit more sacks a little bit more quarterback hurries total from him in my mind i still think there's a next level to get to from him as a pass rusher I'm hoping you get to that. I think it's possible. We'll get into some bold predictions. Mine's centered around a different player. It sounds like yours is probably Lawrence-based, which we'll get to. I mean, you might have a number on that. But yeah, individually speaking, there's definitely a lot of excitement around Lawrence, as there should be, because he also will benefit, I mean, just in part from from uh, Dalvin Thompson not being on the team. Like There will be times where, in my mind, where he ultimately plays over Danny Shelton. Like I just can't see a situation arise where he doesn't play similar amount of snaps to what leonard williams played last year which will be another 150 added to his arsenal giving him more opportunities because otherwise it means keeping shelton and on the field when you don't really need him for some of these snaps all right before we go on let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors we haven't done that already before we do that we're gonna take a quick break to hear my shameless plug big blue listen big blue banter listeners please help us grow head over to itunes leave us a rating and review on itunes make sure you subscribe there we're lacking on ratings we haven't had we we were flowing them in for a while and now we've kind of been stuck at the 600 number i think we're up to 605 but it's been like 601 for three weeks so please help us get up there leave us a rating and review if you leave a note in your review we will read it and since we haven't done that in a while we're going to do one on today's show since one just came in we'll do it at the end of the show of course Also, please follow us on YouTube. There will be more content coming there, especially in season. Just type in Big Blue Banter, you'll see our logo. Hit subscribe there as well. Back-to-back subscribes, double subscribe. And then follow. Hit that follow button on Instagram. When you're just scrolling on the toilet, when you're on your commute, whatever it may be, you're gonna see good content from our account there on Instagram. We We run all of these accounts, so it's all of us behind it except for Instagram, which we have help from our buddy, Sean. Shout out, Sean. And so good content, all the platforms help us grow, follow us, promote us, whatever you got to do.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data
2: Dan I saw you bring up uh, Just heard you bring up How you People poop and scroll That's a That's a
1: huge thing For Instagram right there Poop and scroll Yeah I mean listen What's better When you're on the toilet Than looking at your phone What's better than When you're on the toilet Looking at your phone Than scrolling on Instagram I can name a few things That are better for you I've started reading a little bit When I'm on the pooper Yes, a little Kindle on the phone action. Kindle on the phone action is key. I'll, I'm a big physical
2: book guy. Like, I like having the pages in oh, my hand. I hate that. But doing that while you're taking a deuce is just, I yes, don't know. There's something because nah. then like, oh, can I borrow your book? And then you give it. But then you think about that. How many times do you touch a buddy's <laughs> phone? You know what right, I mean? Right, You know, so there's a lot of, you
1: know. Oh, yeah. There's, there's a lot. A lot of, there. There's a lot. I mean, first of all, I think if COVID's taught, if the, the pandemic has taught me anything, it's that my original take that... That germs are I don't want to call germs fake, but I think germs are <laughs> among great I think fun. germs are among the most overhyped and overrated thing that anyone deals with on a day-to-day basis. Because you're immune especially for most of us who have strong immune systems that have been built up over time, potentially via things like you said, touching your friend's phone after he's been on the toilet using it seventy times in a row. Or whatever it may be. like I I play poker a lot. Whenever I go to a casino and play poker, or even if you're just playing blackjack and you touch all those chips, those chips are disgusting. Mm -hmm. I remember one time I, I read a book where uh, somebody took a chip and put it in a petri dish a, ch- a chip from either a poker game or a blackjack table and put it in a petri dish and it showed signs of e. coli it showed signs of uh, hepatitis i think it was or one of those crazy ones so gonorrhea something crazy like just like just to give you an idea of some of the things you touch every day so germs to me Eh, I think they're a bit overrated. Uh,
2: I'm not a... Uh, I know you're nah. the opposite. Oh, now. yeah, You're yeah, very yeah. scared of germs. Yeah. I'm
1: worried about germs at all times. I understand.
2: I, I, I'm a little neurotic with that kind of stuff. But it's funny. At my job, I mean, I'm always dealing with other yeah. people's phones and stuff True. like that. And I've just, you know... I What just is your accept thoughts on it, that? Do you know, wear I just gloves? Um, I I did during, like, the beginning of, like, the, the okay. pandemic and stuff. But now I, I, I don't. I can just... Uh, go and wash my hands. I just don't touch anything. You know. You strike me, me as like
1: a 17 to 20 t- wash your hands type of guy per
2: day. So uh, usually if you look at my knuckles, especially during the winter when there's drier air, it's just, it looks like I
1: <laughs> fought a freaking bull or something Just like from that. washing your hands so much? Oh yeah,
2: yeah. It's, it's horrendous. I have scars like, all over
1: my knuckles. From it. But anyways, let's
2: get back into it. Let's get
1: back into it. No more takes on germs. Um Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about Austin Johnson. Let's talk a little bit about Danny Shelton. And is there anyone else you think, because that would make five interior guys. Do you think that it's going to be five? Or how many players do you think from this interior group are going to make the roster? Will Raymond Johnson have a shot? Will David Moa have a shot? You know, players of that nature. Even R.J. McIntosh, who's kind of been buried from that 2019 class. I I think at the end of the day, there's only... 2018 class, I should say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all good.
2: I think at the end of the day, there's only going to be this five. But if a sixth makes it, I think it's going to be Nico Lalos because he is somebody who has some edge appeal not really but you can line him up (laughs) as like a 6 or 7 technique with his hand in the dirt you can also kick him inside on passing downs a little bit and he has solid special teams value and I think Joe Judge and this coaching staff as we've talked about a lot they put a lot of value on that I think he's a hard worker who kind of just Earned his keep last year, caused a couple different turnovers, being an undrafted guy. Fell on a few. Out of Dartmouth, (laughs) yeah, he fell on a few. He did force the fumble, I think, that Logan Ryan picked up in the Cincinnati game, or he Hmm. was like the impetus to that. And then he also came up with that interception as well. So if there is another guy outside of Austin Johnson, Danny Shelton in the big three, I'm going to say Nico Okay, you, You pick one, and then we'll get into Austin Johnson Oh, no, I mean, yeah, Austin Johnson and Danny Shell.
1: No, I was looking at a lot of those, too. I wasn't exactly sure where, like, if, what he would qualify as on this defense. I guess yeah. that's fine to qualify him in this group, and I think you're right. I think he's probably a coach's favorite, too, for a lot of the reasons you already mentioned. So I think he has a shot to make it. I don't think it's a guarantee by any means. What is he, 6'5", 270, decent-sized interior guy, plays what did he play 69 special team snaps last season more toward the end of the season got his chance there so maybe they look to build on that it'll be tough like we talked about on every single one of these podcasts this is without a doubt the deepest roster the giants have fielded since at minimum 2016 but i would argue that 2016 roster was better on the top end which is why they won 11 games and and it might not even be better but could be considered better on the top end though i didn't think this roster could even be considered better than the 2016 playoff roster and just guys stayed healthy. They didn't deal with a lot of injuries that season, specifically on the defense. They didn't have much depth on that 2016 roster. They didn't have much depth at all. Offensive line had no depth whatsoever. The defense was like held together by four stud standout players three who luckily of, yeah, didn't get injured.
2: Three of whom were added
1: that That season, season, right, yeah. and then Landon Collins with the breakout that year. And
2: then they had JVP that year, too. Sure, so they had the, they had
1: JPP, who's an excellent player as well, but no were, real depth on that they roster. They were
2: signed him in 2016. That was the same yes. season, right? Yep. Yeah, so that was, wow, that's a big investment in the defense that earned him a playoff yep. spot,
1: and then the obviously the Miami boat trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't need to get into <laughs> that, but... Yeah, so I would even say, you know, this roster is more depth. So like we've said on past podcasts, it's going to be tough to find roster spots. Good players will get cut. The 53 is going to be a big deal this offseason. When we look into it, when it finally gets down to the nitty-gritty and they make those final cuts, it's going to be a big podcast. We're going to have a lot to talk about. Good player or two or three or four will hit the market from the Giants, which we haven't had a— Great deal of in the last few years, which is why I think they'll also only have
2: five. They won't even yeah. entertain six because you also have guys like Ifedi, Odenebo, and even Ellison Smith who can mm. kick inside on passing downs and fulfill yeah. roles. So I, I don't see why they would. Because dude, that secondary man, they're gonna they're gonna keep they're gonna want to keep a lot of those secondary they have pieces. To. Yeah. That was a There's really good, too much talent. Which got, is, yeah, which is which is a great issue to have
1: right now, without a doubt. All right, let's get to some bold. Or actually, you want to talk a little BJ Hill? Or I'm sorry, Danny Shelton and Austin Johnson first. Let's do that.
2: Absolutely, Danny Shelton. I think they needed to add a player like Danny mm-hmm. Shelton, which you know, wouldn't expect. Danny Shelton, somebody who was drafted in the first round a while ago and has bounced around from the Browns to the Patriots to the Lions, all these teams that sort of had affiliations with Bill Belichick in some sort of a way, not as much the Browns, but the Lions and the Patriots, obviously, and now Joe Judge and the Giants. I think it was very, very vital to add him because you needed that player who can two-gap, who can anchor down, and who can just eat blocks in the A-gap and not allow those ace blocks to kind of climb up to the second level and find Blake Martinez or Tay Crowder scraping over the top to the hole to fill. So I think that was an essential move. I think it was a low-key move that could pay off. I don't think Danny Shelton's gonna be somebody who's gonna stuff the stat sheet or do anything like that, but I think he can have a role that is very practical for patrick ram's defense anything you want to add to that
1: yeah i mean i just think it was a group we talked a lot about it when they signed him it was one of my favorite signings of the offseason like it's comparable in a sense just on the level of where it's at i would say to the rudolph signing just you know this is not a immediate star player for your team but it's like a role type player and i love it so much more than the Rudolph signing it was less of an investment it was less guaranteed money. I don't like the fact that they signed Rudolph on a, coming off a, a Liz Frank where he has to get surgery this off season. The Rudolph to me, I've said it before, I'll say it again. This Rudolph signing has by far and away the highest chance of being the biggest bust of the off season to me. And it's not even close to me based on that injury. But anyway, it's a similar type idea and I think Rudolph can work out as well. I hope it can because it has a chance to bust doesn't mean it will. It obviously could work out for them. They need a player like Rudolph if he can be healthy um and anyway shelton just filled an exact like you lose dalvin tomlinson you need a guy like danny shelton in there and he cost nothing for them it didn't cost any picks it didn't cost a major cap investment so it's a really good move there and i want to get into a little bit of austin johnson as well but i do think it's interesting just looking at this roster because i was just thinking about this when you mentioned shelton the giants have three players in their interior defensive line group who were selected in the top 17 overall of an nfl draft what does that say to me It says to me that these guys at one point were viewed as like next level interior guys because if any NFL GM, even if it's Dave Gettleman, you know, or a guy like Dave Gettleman, if any and he's probably, probably on the... I don't know the furthest of that spectrum if any GM decides it's worth that he a player is worth taking in the top 17 at the interior defensive line he must think the world of an interior defensive line because these guys aren't it isn't lost on these guys that like you don't want two down run stuffers you know you want if you're going to take an interior guy you want him to have pass rushing upside so at a point and I remember when Shelton came out they thought he could end up being a, a decent pass rusher like a pretty good pass rusher and I think they thought the same of Dexter Lawrence and obviously Leonard Williams is a whole nother level he was at some people's mind the best defensive player in that entire class some people thought he was the best overall player in that class I remember when he dropped to the jets i was like damn they got to steal value wise i was hoping we drop to the giants in that same class so three players in the top 17 then in addition to that they have another early second rounder in austin johnson who people forget was viewed as a pretty good prospect out of penn state like a potential net guy who could break out and again if you're using even a top 50 pick again on interior defensive lineman That says a lot about what you think about him. And then finally, obviously, B.J. Hill was selected in the third round, early third, though. So, again, another example of that. So, there really is a lot of talent. But let's talk Austin Johnson, now that I mention him. Before Austin Johnson,
2: though, I want to touch on something that you said about Danny Shelton, which which does make sense. I mean, they thought maybe he could develop into somebody who was a pass rusher. It didn't necessarily materialize Mm -hmm. in the NFL. But he is one of the best two-down, like, run-stuffing type of guys. And that's something that the Giants definitely needed to add. Bad, but similar defensive lineman who was drafted out of Washington did develop into more of a pass rusher. I feel like he was a bit more polished as a pass rusher coming out of college, and that's Vita Vea, mm. who was one of yep. the better defensive linemen in the league. And last year he got injured, and we didn't really see too much of him until like down the stretch of the season, and he won the Super Bowl, and that's great. But there, like Dexter Lawrence, could be that guy who can't could possibly take that step because he gets labeled because he's three hundred and forty six pounds as a two-down run stuffer. And that's that's disingenuous. I really don't believe that's what he is. I think he has more potential than that. He, just like you said before, just needs to develop a bit more as a pass rusher. But athletically, it's within the yeah. realm that he can develop that. He He's not a total, like, just boxy type of guy who can't really gain an edge and then win with the rip move and dip through his hips like a Danny Shelton kind of is. He's more of a guy who can, he does have solid hips and solid bend relative to his size obviously. He's not Aziz Ojolari out there. But I, I do believe that he he can possibly develop it to that and that's what we we need for him to do
1: that's an excellent <laughs> point no <laughs> it's a great point now,
2: imagine dexter lawrence leonard williams playing next to each other rushing the passer if he if were lawrence to scratch that, that
1: point. yeah it's an excellent point though when you're looking at these prospects and these players you have to ask yourself can he get there because we want him to get there because it'd be good for the team and we're fans and we think it's fun and they drafted him 17th overall so he should get there or can he get there because he has the athleticism he's shown flashes on tape from an athletic standpoint and all he needs to do is put it all together and we're both in the camp it sounds like of the latter there that he it's not just because we're not just fans who are saying oh the Giants believe that he can do it and he was drafted in the top 17 so he can do it even though he hasn't really shown too much of it yet we believe that from that he has the traits it's just like anything in the NFL like let's think of other players who are like this Ingram's not a good example I don't think because he doesn't have the traits I look for I'm trying to think of a good example of a player who's taken some time to develop but had the traits and eventually got there and we can get back to that obviously you can think of it over time and try to figure it out but, or I can think of it over time and try to figure it out but the traits are there for Lawrence that's the bottom line and it's just about putting it together but the fact that the traits are there proves to me and you that he can get to that point
2: absolutely and now we can finally talk about Austin Johnson yes <laughs> I think Austin Johnson to me is the is the fifth rotational piece in this interior defensive line I think Danny Shelton has his niche role I think he's going to fill that role mm. and I think Austin Johnson could be the guy to spell Dexter Lawrence BJ Hill or possibly Leonard Williams if he needs it. Even though they Leonard Williams can play more snaps than those guys, so probably Dexter Lawrence. I think Johnson can just spe- spell him every now and again, which we saw a decent amount because the Giants like to run a lot of different packages, not just on the defensive line but on the offensive line. We saw the Will Hernandez Matt Parr package down the stretch of the season. We saw the Austin Johnson B J Hill package down the stretch of the season a lot. I think Johnson's just going to kind of do that. Maybe he'll have his snap count increased slightly because. The there is no more Dalvin Tomlinson so you're right. down a body and Dalvin Tomlinson is significantly better than what Danny Shelton is going to provide so if we look at Austin Johnson's snaps from last season we will see he was out there for 231 snaps I can see that increased slightly but I don't think I know people who cover the Giants who, who believe he's going to be that starter opposite of leonard williams and dexter lawrence i think that's going to be more so bj hill i don't want to see bj hill relegated to okay it's passing downs let's put you out there because i think he can be a better run defender than than what the consensus is on him Mm. it's just not his it's not his defining trait because he has such good upfield burst use of hands pop in his hands and ability to separate get to the half man and win and those are things that you wouldn't expect from a third defensive lineman you know because those are high upside traits creating interior pressure and we saw it a lot in this rookie season but we haven't necessarily seen it since then and this year without dalvin Tomlinson and their similar to dexter lawrence bj hill could take that step forward but austin johnson will have his role as well as that fifth guy rotating in playing like 16 snaps a game
1: yeah i think you nailed that there is a lot of speculation that because of the contract they signed austin johnson to he will be more of a, more than just a you know low-end rotational player, what he was last year. I'm not so sure I buy it either. I think that they just believe in investing in the depth of this defensive line. Dave Gendelman came out and said it immediately when he took this job. He referenced that Eagles roster, which we talked about already. He believes big in it. And remember, like you mentioned on the second note, B.J. Hill has played that role. He can defend the run. When he was in college at NC State, that's what he got labeled as, playing alongside, uh, forgetting his name. Bradley the Ed, Chubb. Bradley Chubb. So... He was late. He was in that role already, and he was their top run defender there. He was used as kind of more of like a interior one, you know, one tech type player there. He he had some snaps as a three tech, and he had some good bursts where it like caught Gettleman's attention, but he can play that role as well. So I'm with you. I think he ultimately ends up taking most of those snaps. Yeah, that North Carolina
2: state line had Bradley Chubb, B.J. Hill, Contavious Street. Yeah, and then towards ACL, that was Street,
1: right? Yeah, Street. Yeah.
2: And then they had a, a guy who ended up being One drafted guy. by the uh, Jones, I think it was the yeah, last name, by the Chargers, who was also solid player. That's, that's a stacked defensive line right there. But I think Austin Johnson still has that pivotal role as the guy to spell. And I also think that they brought him back not just because – um, they they want him to take the extra step, but they saw Dalvin Thomas and leaving. They didn't want to lose a lot of continuity along that line. And Patrick Graham, Austin Johnson is very familiar with Patrick Graham's system. He's very familiar with Coach Chaos from their time at Penn State. Mm. And it's still a small investment. You know, what was it? Three million, I think it was right. or one year, three million instead of one year, one point five million.
1: So I think mm. they just wanted to retain him because of those things. Yeah, I think it's fair. All right, let's get into a couple bold predictions for the position group before we dive into a question. From the listener on iTunes, remember if you want to get your questions asked and answered, the best way to do it—asked—you can't get your questions asked. They can be answered though. The best way to do it would be leaving them on iTunes. I hound that iTunes uh, ratings section. I hound that. I wait for new reviews. I read them every time. Makes me happy. Helps us out. So leave them there, and we'll answer them on the show. We're gonna get to one today. Before we do that, do you have any bold predictions for this position group?
2: Bold predictions. I'm going to go out and say that Dexter Lawrence is going to have 35 pressures mm. and at least five and
1: a half sacks. Okay. I
2: don't so know how bold that is. He gets
1: to the B.J. Hill 2018 sack range, basically. Yes,
2: and then sacks can be fluky, though. So mm. I'm saying five and a half, pretty good sacks. All right? We're not talking about Russell Wilson had 20 seconds to run around with <laughs> chicken with his head cut off and then Leonard Williams fell
1: on top of him type of sacks. All right. Okay, I like that one. I think that could definitely come true. I'm going to roll with Leonard Williams will once again reach the 60-plus pressure mark and once again be top three among all interior defensive linemen in total quarterback pressures. I'm going to say he's going to have no step back, Leonard Williams, in this season. He's going to actually take a step forward overall as a player. In the second year in the system, with Aziz on the roster, with Lorenzo Carter on the roster, potentially Ellerson Smith. And so that's my bold prediction zero drop off from Leonard Williams in the post contract world.
2: Love that. And uh, I just realized that my Dexter Lawrence prediction isn't exactly
1: too, too bold.
2: Because <laughs> <Yeah>, he had 29 last <laughs> year. Because he had 29 last year, which we referenced a little bit before. But you know what? I think it's just going to be more of an impact. Okay. That's yeah. where. Less that, you know, of a stat we'll sheet
1: stuff, with. but just more of an impact. All right before we wrap up let's do one question from the listener it's from coop is the poop it's our last rating it was back in june so again remember head over to itunes help us out leave a rating and review add a question coop is the poop says started listening to these guys during the 2021 off season it has been excellent awesome we love to hear new listeners come in coop let us know off pod either reach us on twitter or update your review however you want to get to us how you found the show we're also interested in knowing how people find our show so we can Have it find more people. More Giants fans. He says, player breakdowns, team scheme analysis, draft coverage has all been very good and entertaining. Really excited for this coming season. I have to thank Dan and Nick for a lot of it. Much appreciated, gents. Keep up the great work. Here's my question. Did you guys see the recent write-up for CBS Sports and a ranking of the top 10 IDL? I don't get too caught up in the rankings, but I did get triggered this time because Leonard Williams was left out. Would either of you, bias aside, and I don't typically ever see that being an issue for either of you guys. Consider him outside the top 10. I just can't see how he isn't in roughly the top 15% of the NFL after the season he had last year.
2: This is actually very uh, prompt Coop is the Poop, who we've definitely uh, associated with before, I want to say. So thank you for leaving this. And I just, I think it was a week ago, released the article, and it's not about CBS, but this was ESPN, that Leonard Williams was the 7th ranked interior defensive lineman. And my... I guess takeaway was I can see where that's fair, but I can also see a path to where he's better than I think it was Jeffrey Simmons and Cam Hayward who were both above him. So I, I think that top 10, him not being there is just a straight, Disrespectful slap, especially considering all the versatility that he does have. Like the top ten of the list that ESPN had was Aaron Donald, Chris Jones, DeForest Buckner. Honestly, I would put all three of those guys ahead of Leonard Williams right now. And this is where it gets iffy: Cam Hayward, Fletcher Cox, Jeffrey Simmons, Stephon Tuitt, Vita Vea, and Grady Jarrett. That was a top ten of the ESPN article. And then I believe. Quinn and Williams, Jonathan Allen, J.J. Watt, who they considered interior, Akeem Hicks, David Onyemada, Jerron Reed, Eric Armstead, and Calais Campbell all received votes as well. So I think this was the top... Him coming in seventh, I could see where they're... I could see how that's a thing, but Fletcher Cox is getting a little bit older right now. Cam Hayward is getting older, plays with, around a lot of good Steelers, and Jeffrey Simmons is a great talent, playing on a bad defense, doesn't have a lot of guys around him, but he's heading into his third year. He could... You know, just skyrocket into this third season, but it hasn't necessarily happened yet. We saw Leonard Williams, who's still young, skyrocket last year, so I can definitely see him being top five. Not, not being in the top ten though. That's 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 a rough one for me.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. And this prompted me to go ahead and look at the list. I actually hadn't seen it until now, Coop. As some of you may know, I used to be an editor on the NFL team, so there wouldn't have been any possibility for me to miss this article before. I've since moved over to the fantasy sports vertical and gambling vertical, right more up my alley. So I just looked it up. It's my old writer, Jared Dubin, who I used to be the editor of. I'm going to have to have a word with after reading (laughs) his list. And he didn't put a top. He didn't put Leonard Williams in the top ten. I agree with you, Coop. All bias aside, this is a bad ranking. There's no scenario where you should be behind guys like... I mean, listen, Jonathan Allen's a great player, but I think Leonard Williams was better last year. Kenny Clark, I could definitely put Leonard Williams over him. Jeffrey Simmons is a great player. I put Leonard Williams over him. Like, these are all great players. I mean, he has great guys on this list. There's no doubt about it. But I still think Leonard Williams belongs in there. And just as a little aside, Jared Dubin is a diehard Cowboys fan. So maybe that played a little bit of a role into this. I don't want to put him him on the spot there. But Dubin, I'm coming for you, buddy. We got to talk after this article.
2: Leaving, you know, a team that you despise, leaving their players off that list. That's something I would never do, you know?
1: (laughs) (laughs) As Nick says, after leaving every Cowboy off his All-NFC East defensive team. But on that note, we're going to wrap it up there for the Interior Defensive Line pod. As always, have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon.